Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to Raw Knuckles Podcast. Please like, follow, and subscribe. Certainly starting with the Montreal Canadiens was advantageous in the sense that I wasn't ready to play in the NHL at 20 years old, but that was a, a great organization to get uh, a foundation under you that uh, was beneficial for the future. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah, on well, that. what's your secret though? Because I'm five eight, and you played nine hundred more games than I did. <laughs> when I stepped on the ice, I never backed down, and I never stayed down. And I was vicious, and I was malicious, and I don't care. <laughs> Good to have you, Keith. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. It's my first it's my first ever podcast. Oh wow. Well, hopefully it won't be your last because if (laughs) (laughs) we don't we hope we don't traumatize you too much. Well, I'm uh I'm a little nervous, but you got nothing to be nervous about. It's it's me. We're, I'm I, on your we've, team. We've only canceled like three people, so don't. <laughs> Whenever I'm with you, Chris, I, I, I I'm very confident, <laughs> and I'm a lot bigger. <laughs> Me too. Me too. Yeah. Uh, My listen. first first year in Halifax, I was five uh, eight and like 160 pounds. My second year when you came. I grew to like six feet and 190. And then after 50 games, you left and I shrunk back to 5'8, 160. Well, um, not quite. But it, listen, uh, it's always good to have someone riding shotgun for you. But you certainly played the game with uh, intensity, grit. For a smaller player, you didn't play small, you played big. So uh, don't sell yourself short there. Listen, Awesome to have you. And um, I guess, you know, looking back on your career and all you've done in hockey, and and now you've you've stepped away from hockey. You're in a whole different line of work. Uh, What's going on with Keith Acton today? That's what I want to know. Uh, Well, yeah, um, I had a good run in hockey for sure. It was – it was my life. Um, it was my passion, my love, and I was very privileged and fortunate to have had the career that I, I had. Um, certainly a lot of people to thank, a lot of great teammates, coaches um, that, you know, were instrumental in helping me to have that career. Um, now that I'm 65 years old, I'm on to something different. I certainly, I miss hockey a lot um, because, you know, it was my life, but now I'm, uh, I'm the owner of the Boston Pizza in Stouffville, and I'm also a counselor on uh, our municipal uh, 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 team here in Stouffville. So yeah, th- those two things keep me very busy. So you're back in the town you grew up in, you went back home after traveling for so many years. Stouffville, um, it, it, when it, I look at back in that draft, the 1978 draft, we were both drafted the same year we're the same age you know um you're uh i'm a little bit older than you i'm february april um and and just a a awesome career but starting out in hockey you know you're a small guy what drew you to the game one you're a big fan of 
uh, growing up or what, what drew you to the game and, and being that little guy, uh, how difficult is that when you're starting out in the game? Do you, you got to deal with shit right away? Uh, yes and no. I mean, certainly, uh, uh, I think it was my passion for the game at a very young age. Uh, my mother was a speed skater. She got me skating when I was very, very young and, uh, it took off from there. Certainly, uh, for whatever reason, hockey was my love and, uh, I was so passionate about it. It's all I wanted to do. And I was pretty much one dimensional and I needed to be, if that was going to be my goal to, uh, uh, to make it in hockey, I needed to spend all my time and all my energy and all my focus on, uh, you know, developing and, and playing the game of hockey if I was going to advance. So it was certainly a love and a strong desire. And uh, uh, there was lots of lots of kids and uh, growing up that and in junior and uh, even beyond that, uh, that were probably had more ability and more talent that I had. Uh, but I seem pretty determined that this is what I wanted to do. And like I said before, I was very fortunate to uh, have had the teammates that I had throughout all my years in hockey. And uh, certainly starting with the Montreal Canadiens was advantageous in the sense that I wasn't ready to play in the NHL at 20 years old, but that was a, a great organization to get uh, a foundation under you that uh, was beneficial for the future. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah, on well, that. what's your secret though? Because I'm five eight, and you played nine hundred more games than I did. <laughs> right? Well, you had a good career too, Tim. Uh, you played a lot of hockey uh, and played. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, you had lots of years that you played in Europe. Did you not? Correct. Correct. Yeah, correct. and that was, uh, uh, you know, uh, some of us couldn't have maybe played in Europe because you had to have a real high skill level. It was a bit of a different game, but certainly you took your skill set and and put it to work and you were very, very successful. So why yeah, would I, you say you weren't ready, though, um, when you first came in? Just when I came size? when I came out of junior, I wasn't uh, I wasn't ready to, to play in the NHL and certainly uh to go to the American Hockey League and and play with guys like Chris and we all developed together. Chris developed very fast. Like I, I think you, uh, if I'm not mistaken, you only played like a half a year in the American League. Forty nine uh, games. Yeah, coming yeah. out of college and certainly you know you were the kind of guy that uh, worked extremely hard on your game. You weren't one dimensional. Certainly you were tough, and you brought that uh, uh, element. Uh, to your game and and it was very beneficial to your teammates but uh certainly uh, i know you were first on last off always working on your on your game to uh to contribute in more ways and you did uh i think you had uh, you i had appreciate 20, that 20 goals story seasons i think yeah but this is not about me this is about you <laughs> and tim so and forget me. about me and but me. you know just to go on 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 tim's thing what to elaborate on that a little more tim's question uh, what's that? I wasn't ready. Yeah, or, not being ready. Like what? Well, I think that you know, I had, I didn't have a lot of uh, real strong attributes as a player, but uh, the one that I did have uh, was I I could skate and I was fast. And uh, in those years, that was uh, the game was more uh, back and forth, up and down the rink. There was more flow to the game maybe than there is today. 
uh, there was more risk in the game. So the game would open up and, and, uh, the speed was advantageous if you had it. Uh, and in those days, uh, uh, not everybody in the league could skate. There was, you know, there was one or two defensemen that were good skaters on most teams. And then, uh, after that, there was guys that labored. So, but in today's game, everybody can skate, and they're all fast. And what uh, would you what would you call those guys that labored, Keith? Slugs? <laughs> huh? Would you call them slugs? Pylons. <laughs> Listen, that it's funny because I when I think back, and Keith and I, uh, Tim, uh, the first year, you didn't come down right away. I got sent down right away. Didn't you come down later? No, I came. You, just, I, you, you came, came right, right away the first year. Yeah. All right. I, I, I remember training camp, Tim, and I, I, I wonder if you remember this, Keith. So we go to Montreal tra- training camp. We get sent down. We're going to Nova Scotia, and we had a coach named Bert Templeton. And Bert was a coach. He always had tough teams. He wanted his guys to fight and be tough. And I had no idea what pro hockey's all about, right? So naive, right? I, I watched the Bruins growing up. That's it. I don't know the inner workings, what goes on, all that. So I get there, and Tim Burke, who uh, was a college kid, um, Timmy Burke, and a very good friend to this day, um, he didn't uh, – he, he knew what was going on. I didn't. He grabbed me. He said, hey, listen, a couple of things here, got to pay attention to, blah, blah. He took me under his wing, and he was, right. he was trying to enlighten me a little bit on what's going on. He said, this coach here, Coach Junior – and he likes tough players, but he hates college kids. So get at the end of the line, listen to him, you know, get the drill, but don't go first, whatever you do, because he just doesn't like college kids. And they had this kid, Richie Costello, college kid out of Merrimack. And we start doing drills, and Richie's the first in line. He wants to get an A in skating drills. And he gets there, and he goes, and he screws the drill up. And all of a sudden, the whistle goes. And I'm standing next to Timmy. And he blows that whistle, Templeton. He goes, he goes, uh, 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 Costello, what <laughs> the fuck are you doing? You fucking idiot. He said, you fucking college kids are supposed to be smart, aren't you? Get me into the fucking line and watch. Well, Richie was like, he just melted into his skates. Like, he was, like, he's still traumatized today, I think, poor Rich. But, but, and, and Timmy just looked at me and said, see, just listen and watch, get the drill down, and then go. I'm, thank God Tim Burke was there for me. I'm telling you, I, I would have been first in line, you know. Here I go. But, you know, that first year we get sent down there. I remember the previous season, Maine Mariners, you know, they shit-kicked the, um, the Voyagers, and they wanted to get a tougher team. And I didn't know I was part of this. You know, that fighting, I loved to fight when I was a kid. I did all that crap, but I, I never fought in the ice, really, one time. You know, and I admired the Bruins. But so, you, you know, you have your junior career in Peterborough. You come camp, like I said, and you get down to Halifax. Um, you know, was – was it an eye opener for you, pro hockey? Were you naive to something like I was? I was just like, oh, yeah, I didn't have a clue. Yeah, um, I was as well. Certainly, uh, in those days, it was uh, 
I wasn't a tough player and it was, uh, um, uh, cause I'm going to tell you a story about Bert after uh, with regards to that but in 78, 79, it was around the time that the WHA was, was folding. Yeah. And, uh, part of their cell was a lot of fighting and a lot of these players that were playing in the WHA were now, cause they were folding, were coming to the American league. So wow. when, when you and I started down there, uh, that league wasn't too far off of the movie Slapshot. No. You know, <laughs> it really wasn't uh, with regards to the fighting and brawling. And uh, uh, I had to pick up on it quick that when the bench is cleared, you know, I found guys like Bobby Sheehan and guys like that. <laughs> Not to be disrespectful to them, but... Uh, no. uh, and then I remember Bert, because... Uh, uh, he was very in instrumental in my development down there in my second year. And uh, uh, he coached against us in junior here in Ontario. So you knew him. Yeah, and he always had a tough team. He did. He had the toughest team, and and uh, th that's what he wanted. And I remember one night in uh, uh, Glens Falls, I, I got in a, a bit of a fight with a guy, and, and uh, I got beat up. And so the next day, we're – going to get on the bus and Bert takes me aside and he says, I got to talk to you. He takes me over and he takes his middle finger and he's starting to, he's hitting me in the middle of the chest. He says, I'm going to tell you something right now. You never fight. You never, ever fight ever again. And I'm looking at him because I'm thinking, <laughs> you know, I maybe didn't win, but I thought you, you'd like me because I fought because I know that's what you want. He said, no, 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 no. He says, we got a reputation as a tough team and you're fucking it up. <laughs> thanks coach so i was off the hook from fighting after that oh that's great that's a great story do you remember uh, getting called up your first game and what that was like yeah i do it was uh um again it was like for all of us it was a dream to play in the national hockey league and and i can remember it was bert that gave me a call it was after sunday night in uh we played in halifax and I just got home and he called the house and told me that uh, you are going to Montreal in the morning. And I was like, wow, I'm, I'm going to play a game in the NHL. It was just going to start with one game. It was, but I'm going to, I'm going to play one game, you know? <laughs> and, you know, we were all like that, I, I, I suppose. And uh, uh, things were kind of not going well in Montreal at the time. Uh, Transition. Uh, yeah, there. Yeah, and things were a little bit volatile, and uh, they were used to winning, and they weren't winning like they used to, and trying to adjust to this, and emotions were running high, and uh, and then I th I think it was uh, uh, Boom Boom Jeffreyon was a coach, but he only lasted about another four or five days after I got called up, and that was really a volatile time for the Canadians and. But my first game was in Long Island against the Islanders, and that this was going to be the first year I think that they were going to go on to win four straight cups. And I can remember in the warm up, skating around out there, and uh, you know, looking at those guys like, you know, Nystrom and Gillies and Podvan and Trotch yeah. and Bossy, and I'm I'm skating around and I'm going, wow, <laughs> I'm not playing with boys out here tonight. <laughs> These are men. This is a men yeah. men's game here. So, and I remember. Uh, uh, Jeffrey on, he sent me out for my very first shift, a face off in my own end to start. He, um, 
he wasn't setting me up for success, that's for sure. And it was against Brian Trotche. And yeah. and uh, after that face-off, the puck went so fast back to Podvan at the point, he had a hard time keeping it in because that's how bad I lost the face-off. And I was naked. My stick was in the stands. My equipment was gone. <laughs> so it was uh, – uh, that was an early initiation, but uh, certainly, uh, you know, felt very fortunate to play in my first game. And now you wait, I got to say something. This is crazy. What year was that? That was uh, 1979 was the, it was fast like, forward, remember. fast forward, you know, to 2009 or eight. You're in the same arena on the bench for my first NHL game. That's where my first day was Long Island. How crazy right is on. that? Yeah. <laughs> it's awesome. We were both born awesome. there. <laughs> yeah. So your first game, Tim, was in the island too? Yeah, yeah. And with, when he was uh, a coach in with with Toronto. Leafs. Yeah. Yeah, Unbelievable. it's crazy, huh? I know. Yeah, I remember that. Right? I didn't and, know that until you just talked about that. I was like, wow, that's crazy to think that. Yeah. That's cool. But you knew you had the Keith as a coach when you were there. You knew that. Yeah, yeah. He told me my shootout move. I had the shootout winner, you know, first game. He told me what to do. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wouldn't have been giving anybody advice on a shootout. Yeah. I didn't know who my teammates were then, Nux. I was just so happy to be there. So. Yeah, right? <laughs> well, um, so Woody – yeah, was his nickname Woody. Where did you get that nickname Woody anyway? You know, it's funny. It, it just started when I was down in Halifax. It, it was just, you know, how nicknames get started. I was I was not shaving every day, so I didn't have a beard, but I always had like, and it looked like I was from the bush. Yeah. And yeah. I had a I had this uh, bush coat that a guy would wear if he's hunting or whatever, you know. And, uh, <laughs> and I think it was uh, Jerome Engel. He started calling me the woodsman and then it just went from woodsman to Woody and it stuck. And for 45, all I've, no one's ever called me Keith. All I've been called for 45 years is Woody. And that's how it started. Yeah. Um, Woody. Yeah. Funny stuff. So that first year in Montreal, Jeffrey on, gets let go and Claude Royal took over for a little bit. Then Bob Barry came in and, and and I ended up getting called up there seventy nine eighty, and staying. Um, you had a hell of a year down there. You really ripped it up, and the Habs were looking for that. Uh, and you come up the following year, and you you got your start certainly with the Habs um, on a full time basis, and 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 not going back. Um, how about the English kid? from Ontario coming into Montreal, you know, to me, when I came here first, it, it, like the adjustment, first of all, it's intimidating to Montreal Canadians, you know, that expectation and everything that comes along with it. But then coming into, you know, the French province, the French city and trying to grasp all that, how difficult was that for you uh, coming, like I said, from English Canada? Yeah, um, I don't know. I was just, I was just uh, really consumed in the hockey, and certainly uh, growing up where I grew up, I was never a Canadians fan. I was a Maple Leaf fan for sure. And, um, but then, as it you know, as it unfolded, that's that. Uh, I see your jerseys hanging behind you, and uh, I'm sure you, not unlike me, it was I was. It, 
that sweater I was the most proud to wear. And starting in, in Montreal at that time, uh, like my first training camp, uh, Ken Dryden was still there. Jacques Lemaire was still there. Ivan Cornway was still there. Uh, I didn't play with those guys, but they were there in training camp. And they all, it's funny, they, I'd be on the, the goal line going to uh, do down and backs and Ken Dryden or Lemaire would say, come on, Keith, keep it going. Come on, keep it going. And I was surprised that they even knew my name. Like, right. there was there. like how, how did they know my name? And, and uh, you know, they all, they all kind of, they were comforting and they helped you and they, uh, you know, tried to help you learn. And so fortunate to have been with all of those players that were eight or 10 of them in the hall of fame, probably, you know, and yeah. it was, uh, it was just such a, a, a great start um, to my, to my career starting in Montreal because of all of those teammates that, I, that we had. And, and then you talk about the city. I mean, the city was, it's not for everybody, but I loved, uh, I loved it there because everybody was a hockey fan. Everyone was passionate about it. Um, you know, like that, just that emotion every day was, uh, would, would give you energy. And, yeah. uh, it, like I said, it's not for everybody, but, uh, I yeah, love it. It would give you energy, but it would break some guys, right? Yeah. It would. And some guys, yeah. some guys didn't like that. They yeah. would rather be somewhere where, yeah, you know, it's, it's not. You can hide out. Yeah. It's not such a big deal, you know? Right. So, but it, I loved it for sure. Yeah. So, um, you loved it for sure. And it wasn't long you're in town and you're playing on a line with Guy Lafleur. I mean, how crazy is that? Like, you know, you went from who the hell were you playing with in Nova Scotia? Fucking <laughs> Joe uh, Joe Adams from from Beaverton, Ontario. The college kid that was getting yelled at. What's <laughs> yeah. it, Richie? Or Richie Costello. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, actually, in Halifax, I had uh, my second year down there. I had two real good wingers, and they were. Uh, they were older experienced guys that were, uh, uh, who are they? Well, left winger was Jerry Byers, who was Bye -bye. from Kenville. God bless him. Yeah. Pass, he, he, yeah. Kenville on, uh, and my right winger was, uh, Bill Riley, who, yo, Riles, what's up? Yo, <laughs> Riles, what's going on? Billy Riles. What's up, brother? <laughs> and they were, they were really instrumental in my development. The two of them, because they were, I was 21 and they were like 28 and they'd had a, you know, a sprinkle of time in the NHL. They had experience and, and, uh, their knowledge was very valuable, uh, for me at that time. Right. I so, think for then, all of us. Yeah, that's right. And then, right. Yeah. And then, you know, like you said, uh, uh, one year, uh, playing in Montreal there, I was, uh, centering, uh, Steve Schott and Guy Lafleur and, uh, I love that. I don't think they liked it much, but <laughs> why? Because they went from Lemaire to you. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Wow, you're selling yourself short. You had speed. No pun intended. Yeah, no pun intended. <laughs> um, you had the speed. You had the tenacity. You're able to dish the puck. You know, I mean, come on, the numbers, the numbers say it. Say it all. I mean, 53 assists in Nova Scotia, 45 goals, and that. Come on, your second, first year where they have 61 games, you got 39 points, you had 24 assists, 
and then 81-82, you end up with, with 88 points. You have 52 assists, 36. I mean, come on. Yeah, you're dishing the puck to them, but that was a good line. Yeah, you're good making line. like you're making like 10 million <laughs> today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wow. yeah. Well, no, they were uh they were exceptional players and uh they made me look a lot better than I really was. But uh the speed I would just, you know, try to drive through, let them have the puck and leave some area for them to create and uh they were they were easy to play with, that's for sure. It's f- funny you brought up uh uh, Jerry Bias, who I absolutely love, and and uh, Bill Riles, and I love Riles too. It's funny when I think back, though. Jerry Bias' wife. Now Jerry's twenty eight, with twenty. Well, I looked at him like he's old, right? Yeah. He's old. <laughs> yeah. You know, he's smoking butts in the locker room, yeah. uh, in the hall, and and his wife was a pretty woman, young woman. And it's like all the guys on the team, they're all young kids. They're like, all oh, got a crush on her, right? <laughs> Everybody had a crush on Jerry's wife. Oh, yeah. my God, she beautiful, right? Huh? Remember yeah. that, Keith? Yeah. yeah. It was so funny. But they, they were like, you know, they were like, um, they were like the mom and dad of the team. They were good to all the young guys and yeah. the kids. They, yeah, it was an awesome uh, environment, really. Uh, we had some some great uh, teammates down there. Craig Levy, Cowboy. Yeah. Craig Levy, yeah. what a beauty he is! I I got to get him one of these days on here. <laughs> Such good you'll, memories. You'll have fun with him, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Hey, now were you there? The you were there the um, the brawl in Maine, right? We had with uh, the Mariners. McCam and sent everybody out when I fought Morrison that time and. You fought them all in that brawl, oh, one after another. Was, and and your and your dad, I look, your dad was up yeah. on the end of the rink fighting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was Tim. My really? dad got a yeah. They grabbed my father. That's when I got kicked out. Uh, <laughs> the cops grabbed my dad. Um, we were, uh, I got taken off the ice at one point, and um. Glenn Cochran got taken off the ice, but he got back on. So I said, I can't let that happen. We're all numbered. So I tried to get back on the ice. Richard Sevigny, the goaltender, came down with his stick, and he stuck it through the crack there and, and lifted the thing and opened the gate for me. <laughs> I had, like, five guys, um, like security personnel. They all jumped on me. So Richard came down. My father come down out of the stands and crack the cop and it, it was nuts it was nuts so when when keith said slap shot it was and when we went to maine it was it was insane right i can't imagine how some guys how full of fear they must have been going in that building oh i remember uh before you came to our team the year before uh, yeah, we, right we didn't have a lot of toughness and if if we got the lead in that building, McCammon would just send the bench, start a brawl, everybody, beat us all up, and then they'd go on to win the game. So, uh, you know, later times when we go into that building, our coach would come in to give us the pump-up speech before the game. He's like, come on, let's go. Let's be ready. We've got to be ready at the start of the game. Let's get the lead. Let's get the lead. 
and carry it right through. <laughs> the coach would leave the room. Guys would go, the lead? Forget that. We don't want the lead. Just keep it close, and we'll win it in the last minute. <laughs> oh. they, did every, they did it every time to us. If we yeah. were up, he'd just send the bench, beat us all up, and then win the game. Yeah. So. Jesus. Like, Tim, you, you have crazy. no idea how crazy – that was that building and, and how, like, it's weird. I didn't know any better, right, when I first came in. I, I mean, yeah, I'm a college kid. And it was probably good I didn't. I just knew, yeah, they were a tough team. They it can't be that tough. Fuck, big deal, right? That's what I'm thinking. I'll fight any one of these bastards. But, <laughs> and you did. Yeah, yeah. but I, I was like. And then you'd leave, leave one of them would be knocked out laying on the ice and you'd be on to the next guy. Yeah. <laughs> well, that uh, happened, with, right? Here's what happened with Morrison. And here's what happened in that fight. Morrison wanted to go me. And I cracked him. I cut him open bad, remember? He was cut bad. Yeah. And I had him down on the ice, Tim. And I didn't hit him when I had him down. I just held him there. And every – McCammon sent all, all the – um, Marin is out in the ice. So everybody's paired up. And I have the guy down. I said, don't worry, I'm not going to hit you. You're bleeding, blah, blah, blah. I was being nice. <laughs> so Glenn Cochran apparently got away from whoever is win. And the linesman separated me and Morrison and got me up off him. So all of a sudden, Cochran's coming after me and Morrison. Because I let Morrison up after I didn't hit him, and now the bastard wants to fucking get me because Cochran's with him. So I'm backing up, and I'm keeping my skates. Another thing I learned, don't lift your feet in a brawl. Because if you step on something, you go down, you're in trouble. So I just kept my feet on the ice, and I'm backing up, backing up. And then all of a sudden, the linesman comes over and grabs Cochran. Now, Morrison stops in his tracks, and it's just a two us. I went right after him and fucking kicked the living shit out of that. <laughs> Again. You know, and I, I gave him a break, and then he was going to tag team me with, with Cochran. I couldn't believe it, but son of a bitch. No honor. Maybe, that... How do you know he wasn't just coming over to say thanks? <laughs> yeah. thanks for... <laughs> yeah, can can you cut me on this side? Yeah. You already got me over here. Who, who was their coach? Was their coach a player? Did Bob play? McCammon. And did he play? Was he People a tough guy? know more about him Is than he a me. Tough guy? I don't know a whole lot about him, uh, actually. Um, yeah, well, he was a he was an asshole. Yeah, yeah. as a coach. Yeah, yeah. It seemed like it. And I don't have a problem saying that because he was. Uh, he coached a little in the NHL, but that's what he did. He he, no respect for his players. Just throw guys out. Tell a guy to go fight. I hated guys like that. I would have I would have fucking sucked at him on the bench. That would have been all she wrote. Yeah. I couldn't I couldn't do that. No, you're right. About coaches like that, it's no good. Like, you know what, if players should always, uh, you know, if they're going to fight, they fight on their terms, not on the fact that a coach tells them to go fight. That's that's yeah. not good. No. Yeah, and it was, that was, you know, not all coaches did that, but there were quite a few that um, that kind of kind of played that game, which sucked. So, um, so Woody – you know, that part of it for you, how difficult, you know, coming in, you know, you've been around the fighting and stuff, but, you know, the brawls and stuff, like, who would you pair up with? Like you said earlier, I know you were joking, but 
you, you had to look for a guy that, you know, you know you're not going to fight. You're not yeah, supposed you're to fight anyway. You're looking for me. You're looking for me. You were looking for Tim? <laughs> no, I'm not you challenging are, your manhood yeah. here because you know I know you're, in, you're a tough bastard on the ice. In one of those brawls in uh, with Maine back in the late 70s in the American League, I ended up with Frank Bade. And he was he was a he was a gamer. He was a fairly tough guy. Honest. Yeah. And, and he threw me down. Yeah. And he put me face down on the ice. <laughs> and, he, he, and he just goes, Keith, don't try to get up. Don't try to get up. Just stay there. Now my face is in the ice, right? And it's cold. And mm-hmm. but I'm staying there. And these brawls lasted like 15 minutes, sometimes, maybe longer. And uh, when I got up and I come in the room, everybody's looking at me, who hit you? Because my face is just like red as red <laughs> being on the ice. But, uh, well, I fought Frankie he, Bay. <laughs> <laughs> he just, he just grazed me. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I got a shirt burn. You should see, wait till you see him. You should see him. <laughs> yeah. I went, was, hit, I went and hit my knuckles on the, on the, uh, concrete wall and <laughs> bruise them up a bit. So scrape them on there. Yeah. But, um, you know, it's funny. I look back at that team and, you know, my first foray into pro hockey, and I think uh, Gaetan Rocker Rochette, yeah. awesome guy, right? Um, poor Dan Metivier, who's no longer with us, right? Yeah. Sad. Jerry Byers, no longer with us. Um, I, I bumped into a few guys over the years. Uh, Alan Luchu, he lives down in, around Boston now, Luch. Really? Luch. Yeah. yeah, he married a girl down there. I think he ended up playing in the Eastern League or something with Cape Cod, and he ended up meeting someone down there. He, he had had a good go down there. Still down there. He loves it. Um, yeah. You know, some good teammates for sure. Um, Lionel. Oh, Lionel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, who ran the place in there for years. Um, yeah, so, you know, Montreal – it was awesome. I remember those years playing alongside you and you're a great teammate. Good face off, man. Put the points up. Man, that because when I left Montreal, I was it almost broke me. And I said it, I don't have a problem saying it. I was I was fucking heartbroken, Keith. Like I don't know how guys do it. Okay? For someone who put all his effort, his passion, his love for that organization. And I'm not saying I'm the only guy who ever did that. There are a lot of guys like that. But boy, on the other side of it, leaving there was, like I said, it was devastating to me. Now, 83, 84 comes around and uh, you end up uh, part of a, a, a trade. Were you shocked that that trade to Minnesota? Or did you kind of see it coming. I didn't know the whole story. No, I didn't see it coming at all. And you know what? Uh, uh, I was devastated too when I was traded from Montreal. I, you know, when you become a player in the National Hockey League, you say that you uh, you accept the fact that you could be traded. Uh, uh, but I don't think you ever accept it until you experience it, if you will. And uh, certainly... If, I was blindsided by it. I love playing in Montreal. Uh, I never re- really even 
ever thought about that I would be traded. Right. And then the phone rings and uh, uh, it was Serge Savard, who I have a lot of respect for. Serge was great to me as a teammate. Uh, spent lots of time with me when I was a rookie and helping me out and explaining things to me. And he was the general manager and uh, made that trade. And uh, um, certainly, like, very disappointed. And I think, you know, uh, when you get traded, I got traded a couple times again after that. And uh, you're because of experience, you can accept it a, a little easier. And you have to always look at it that it wasn't somebody that didn't want me. It was somebody that did want me yeah. and you try to take the positive and look at it that way and you move on and, and try to get excited about, you know, the new team you're with and the new opportunities, if you will. Yeah. What was like the biggest difference when you first got to Minnesota? Well, it's funny. Money. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, other than money, yeah. it, it was, uh, um, uh, as my, uh, I think that when I started, when I was in Minnesota, we had a good team. We had a lot of good players, uh, but there wasn't the same, and I'm not being critical of anybody, but there wasn't the same direction. There wasn't the same experience that understood the formula for win winning, how it worked. Um, in With the Canadians, the, they were accustomed to winning and anything, uh, anything short of winning a Stanley Cup was... <clears throat> was you know not really acceptable that's that was the standard uh when i got to minnesota of, of we didn't have that same same desire understanding of the importance of it and how good we maybe really could be or uh so there, the the direction just wasn't there and it's funny because when i left minnesota and i got traded to edmonton all of a sudden I came into an environment that was just like the Canadians. It was, we're here to win and anything, you know, it's, it's hard and it takes commitment and dedication and desire beyond the boundaries of your opponents in order to get this done and the sacrifice. And that's just who and who we are and what we need to do. And it, you had that kind of direction in Edmonton again. And it's funny because I think it was, it was a carbon copy of how the Montreal Canadiens were. And I think it was because of Glenn Sather, he spent a year playing with the Montreal Canadiens. And he learned that, uh, what the environment, what the climate was like and how you had to dedicate yourself in order to win. You had needed the talent, but at the same time, uh, you had to have that level of sacrifice uh, and commitment in order to get it done. And we didn't have that in Minnesota. And, and the only other difference I'll say when I went to Minnesota was uh, when I was with the Canadians, uh, Molson's gave us free beer. We had, we had beer. I, I'd come home to my, my apartment, 10 cases. 10 cases outside my door. I couldn't even get in my apartment, uh, weekly. And, but with the Montreal Canadians, there was never any beer in the dressing room. It was never in the dressing room. When I went to Minnesota, there was beer in the dressing room after the game. These, these guys, these guys, as soon as, uh, they came in the room after the game, like they could, well, they, they could well, open they under of, their skates. They could open a can of beer with their gloves on. That's hard. Yeah. To <laughs> it's funny, you know, and you're right, Keith, that Montreal, 
No alcohol in the room. The only time you could have it, Tim, is when you won the um, the Stanley Cup. Then you could have it in the room, and and it was it was something I noticed too when I went. I go to the Rangers first game uh, after game. Everybody's drinking beer in the room. Hey, you want a beer? I'm there. I don't. I couldn't never drink right after a game anyway. I had to, and I mean that. I couldn't. I had to settle down a bit. A beer just. I drank water, hydrated, and then I dehydrated myself. <laughs> and good. But uh, I couldn't drink it right away. And like the Rangers, when I got there, not for nothing, but they all got the the beers going and fine. I get that. And I, I started on the road with the Rangers. And I get back to Madison Square Garden. I come in the room, and they got a little room next to the locker room where everybody gets changed, take your clothes off, and get ready. Big table there. They got fucking shrimp cocktail. <laughs> fucking this. I mean, what? What the fuck is this? A we? Are we in a fucking band? We're gonna go play a concert now? <laughs> you know, where's the champagne? Fuck. Like I couldn't believe it. I mean, no wonder why they don't fucking win anything. It's like a fucking circus in here. And it, it was crazy. Uh, and and that does take a while to get used to. You got to, when you come from one, and I found myself comparing a lot, like, oh, it's not like it. God, yeah, I yeah, missed yeah. that. You, you know, I miss that so much. And it's like this? I, what's going on? And, I mean, you can't come in and say, hey, we're going to change everything because I'm here now. It's like. <laughs> they, you can help change something, but you have to be subtle about it. You can't just come in and stop. But you certainly understand and can see why other teams, you know, struggle. The you know that top down way they run things is just not good. You know. Well, I was going to ask you, Keith. Was it how was that really hard for you to see Montreal win a cup after you're gone, or were you did you pass on, or you know what I mean, or was that hard? Yeah, I mean, you, you, it was difficult in the sense that you wished you could have been a part of it, yeah. I suppose. And But no, it's, uh, you know, I had a lot of good friends and good good teammates that were still playing in Montreal, Chris being one of them. And certainly, uh, if it couldn't be our team, uh, be happy for those guys because, you know, uh, I was friends with some of them. And, you know, like I said, yeah. them. Yeah, that's a, it's a tough when I look at that. You know, I, I look back, I look at that. Bobby Smith came in, right? Yeah. And um, certainly, you know, that you, you're going to Minnesota. That can't be easy either because he was a first overall pick idea, right? He was and, first overall, yeah. Yeah. Our draft year. Yeah. yeah, our draft year. You know, and you're 103, I'm 231. And it's <laughs> like, you end up you end up getting traded for him. And that must have been a little difficult you know, with the fan base accepting you right away and then the media, you know, who the fuck is this guy, you know? Like Bobby Smith, number one overall. Um, but, you know, I often think of that, and I, you know, there's so many guys have such great careers, like, and just never got a sniff at that thing, you know? And I believe me, I'm grateful every day that that happened, but uh, to be part of something like that, it's 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 tough, right? It, you love to see everybody be able to experience that. Um, and it's difficult. It's the diff- most difficult. You've been in the playoffs, Stanley Cup playoffs. It's most difficult trophy to win in sports. You know, you know that. It's like crazy. So, yeah, you go mini, 
Edmonton Flyers. What the hell was it like in 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 Philadelphia? Did they think you were the second coming of Ken Linsman or what? Because Ken <laughs> Linsman and and Keith played similar. Keith wasn't as dirty, but he could be dirty. Uh, he he was very intense, could skate better than the rat, way better. And you're a good face-off man like him, huh? You you had great numbers. Um, that Philly experience, how was that? Yeah, it was good. And you were there five years, right? Four yeah. or five years. Yeah. So. Um, uh, when I first got there, um, uh, we had a good team. We lost to you guys in the semifinals. I think uh, that was the year that you guys – did you lose to Calgary, I think, that season? Yeah, yeah. I was gone, right? Oh, I was gone, there. right? Uh, but – we had uh, we had when I first got there. We went to the semifinals. We had a good team, and um, as you know, that uh, Philly's a good hockey town. Philly's yeah, great is, town. Philly's a great sports town. Um, the the difference in Philly is is uh, um, for for a large population, uh, not a big percentage of the population were, were hockey fans, but they had they had. Uh, dedicated hockey fans that you know were proud of their team and filled the building every night and it was yeah. uh, it was a great uh it was a great environment to play in philadelphia yeah. uh, it's it was more of a uh, they appreciated hard work and you know sacrifice uh, as much as they probably appreciated the skill part of it yeah. Their, their fan base that's uh what they really appreciated but philly is a good is a good sports town and it's a good good place to to play hockey that's for sure yeah they're uh, flyer fans it's kind of like chicago they're not like hockey fans they're just hawks fans you know yeah. they're not gonna you know yeah. which is uh almost worse because i you know they're just yelling shoot at the game <laughs> At all time. <laughs> no, i always it's on my ongoing joke but um yeah no it makes sense for sure so those flies, yes, it's kind of winding down. I always talk to guys about this when it's time to step away, and it's really hard to come to grips with that, right? Because you can't admit. You don't want to admit, well, I'm losing that half step. You know, I can still I can still play, you know. Um, you know, you end up going from there to the Caps, and then the Islanders, and you were only the Caps for six games, the Islanders. Um, full season and that next year you go and and to get a thousand games I just like was it in your head like were you close to retirement like in your head but I'm about 50 games shy of a thousand you had to you had to have that on your mind because that's that's a fucking accomplishment a thousand game there it's just, it's truly a, a great accomplishment one of the ones I wish I could have achieved you know, well you did you you did pretty well you were pretty close mm-hmm. uh, uh, but certainly yeah I mean I'm proud of that for sure but I was you know I was fortunate again and uh, very grateful to have had the teammates that I had over the years. Um, I was fortunate in the sense of uh, two things helped me to get to a thousand games that, you know, are not always, uh, you know, in your hands. It, 
one was I didn't have any serious injuries where I, I missed extended times, like, you know, yeah. like reconstructive surgeries of, of something that you're out for an extended period. So I was fortunate that way. And then, uh, probably expansion helped me, uh, to stay in the NHL because there was, you know, expansion along my later years that probably allowed me to, to extend my career and get to a thousand games. Wow, that's awesome. What was it like uh, when you got to Hershey, though? What, were you scratching your head saying, what the fuck am I doing? You played 12 games down there. You had 12 points. So you you must have been like, fuck, I can still play, but I'm in Hershey. <laughs> Point a <of> game. <laughs> I'll tell you about that. There was a lockout year or, yeah. or whatever it was. I don't know. If, uh, and it was my first year as an assistant coach in Philly. And, again, I was really fortunate that uh, when my playing career ended, uh, Bob Clark gave me uh, an assistant coaching opportunity with the Flyers. And I'm forever grateful for that. I mean, as you know, I, I love hockey and there's no, there's no better job in sports than being a player. But when you can't play anymore, if you can still be in the game and, and yeah, get yourself around it, assistant coach, you're still smelling the ice and you're part of a team and, and you have a role in trying to, to win. But during that time, uh, the NHL didn't start again until I think the first of February and our minor league team was having some problems and they were a little lean at center ice and Bob Clark comes to me and he says, Hey, I, I need you to do me a favor. And I go, sure. What's that? Uh, you know, anything. I didn't think he was going to ask me to go down and play in Hershey. <laughs> so, uh, um, when he asked me, I said, okay, um, but I hadn't trained because I knew I wasn't going to play. And here yeah. I am, you know, j just, oh, drive down there on Friday night and you're going to play in the American League. And the other part of it was it made it difficult, uh, but it wasn't, uh, was I'm an assistant coach with the parent team. Well, what is he down here just to, you know, yeah, spot yeah, right. snoop around? Yeah. yeah. So I knew that if I was going to do this, I was going to have to get in the mix right away. And why did he do it? Why did he do it? Was it because they were short guys or was that mainly the point? Yeah. Yeah. And they were lean at center ice. And so he thought that maybe, uh, you know, I could help out, I suppose. And, uh, like I said, it was, there were, it was, uh, it was, uh, it was hard to do physically because I hadn't trained and it was yeah. you know, in the American league, you're playing three games in three nights and you're bussing uh. four and five hours. And, um, and I knew in order for my teammates to accept me that I was going to have to get right in there with them and, and uh, sacrifice with them or they weren't going to, you know, I needed to be respected too. And I needed to do that. So is that why you had 58 minutes in penalties in 12 games? <laughs> Yeah. yeah, you starting line brawls. Starting shit. Starting, starting I, I, I figured it out, Chris. You know what you do? You start the brawl because then the linesmen are first to you. Yeah. And then you're in the penalty box. And you're out of it, man. And you can watch. Yeah, this is fun. Yeah. There's my teammate. Figure that out. There's my I teammate getting tuned up. I was, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was fortunate over the years. I had some uh, – starting with you and then wherever I played um, 
Uh, my survival hinged on some guys that were really protective of me, yourself, and and uh, uh, Craig Berube, Dave Brown, Marty yeah. McSorley. These were all really, as you know, hard-nosed, yeah. uh, honest guys that really protected their teammates and uh, they were they were all good to me over my career, that's for sure. And you you won a cup in Edmonton, right? I did, yes. And it, I was reading that you just they threw you in the conference finals, and like that's how you played in that in that in that uh, playoff run was in the not till the finals or conference finals. Conference finals in the finals, yeah. What was that like? Just getting thrown in the conference finals. How was that? Yeah, it was. It that was, was eighty seven, eighty eight, right? Yeah. Uh, what, were was, you uh, were you hurt or yeah. you just didn't play? Just didn't play. And oh, uh, the Boston. Uh, but it was uh, as you know the um, uh, the the playoffs. It's hard. It's uh, it's uh, two months of every other night. We were pretty fortunate that we won some series uh, quicker than that. But uh, I was I trained hard and I was fresh at that point and I had lots of energy so. It worked out well. Yeah, that um, that year was kind of a surprise, kind of like 86. A lot of people didn't think we were going to win it. They thought it was Edmonton, but Edmonton lost that year, right? Yeah. I don't think people expected that team to win that year, and they did, right? Wasn't that the deal in Edmonton that year, Keith? Yeah, I mean, it was like it's it's you know, the league is very, very competitive, as you know, and uh, there was – the probably the Oilers probably felt that the Stanley cup was against Calgary. If they could beat Calgary, then they could start thinking cup, you know, Yeah. And there's, there's no easy teams or, or there's no, uh, but that was probably they felt was maybe going to be the stiffest competition uh, to get by them. And uh, I mean, it was a great run for us. We, I think we, you got to win 16 games to win the cup. I think it, w- it was only 18 games we played. Right. Uh, and, wow. and maybe eight and half, 18 and a half because it was the one <laughs> night in Boston when the lights went out. Oh, yeah, that's so right. We didn't finish the game. Yeah. Peter Klima finished it, though, didn't he? No, that was 90. Oh, that was 90. Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay. So, um, I, I without uh, haven't saying it for you, but I'm gonna. Is that your greatest thrill in hockey? Stanley Cup. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, without a doubt. Right. Same um, with me. Without well, a doubt. I was, I was gonna say, going back to my original question, like if you don't win that cup, do you think looking back on you know Chris's year winning it, it would be still it'd be hurting today? I mean, thank God you won a cup, right? Well, fortunate and grateful for sure. I think my uh, my first year in Montreal, we had a great season, and I think we felt like we were capable of winning a Stanley Cup. And uh, Chris, you and I kind of came at the end of uh, that time when they won four in a row, and yeah. they emptied the tank. And uh, uh, so then it was still close, but didn't get it done. And then ten years later, to be in in Edmonton and uh, playing with those guys and great players and uh, very fortunate and grateful to have been a part of that team. But that's my, my greatest, biggest thrill is uh, winning the Stanley cup. That's what you, 
you know, all the backyard rink games you talk about, road hockey, whatever. Um, always playing for the Stanley Cup. And uh, like Chris, you said earlier. Um, Some guys like that a, don't win it, it right? You, don't win you it. Look at them. Great, yeah. great players that never won it, like a Marcel Dion. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. look at Lanny McDonald. Yeah. He did yeah. it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, what a way to go out in the last game you ever play. He scores a goal, right? Yeah. Uh, Ray Bork. Ray Bork. Yeah, I was just going to say. Ray right? Bork. Bubba yeah. Ray. Yeah. Uh, it's players. incredible. So, yeah, and, it's, and you can't help but think about, uh, you know, in order to be on a team that wins, uh, there's always got to be motivation beyond the obvious. We all say, oh, we want to win a Stanley Cup, but it's got to have an importance to you that goes beyond the boundaries of your opponents. And then when it does happen, you can't help but think about the sacrifice that that your teammates made uh, through that time in order to win. And so you could have that, you know, you could have that moment personally. You look at, you know, like I said, your teammates and all the sacrifice that they did and went through to make it happen. So did, that, either, did either of you ever come close to winning it again? I, I, Chris, you no. might have mentioned before. No, not, no. I was in the semifinals a few times, but yeah, call that close. <laughs> yeah, that that is close. I mean, I remember we went the conference conference final in uh, uh, 83, 84 against the Islanders, right? Yeah. yeah. And we got up two games to none on them. They come back and slapped us around four straight. And I was like, I remember, and I always tell this story. I came back from New York after we lost out, and we're going through the airport, me and Rick Green. And there's tons of people at the airport. And Greeny says to me, can you imagine if we won the cup? There, Look at these people here. We fucking went to the conference final. They're coming to see us. Yeah. Like, can you imagine if we win it? And we did, like, two years later. It was, like, crazy. We're like, yeah. and, and then it was, like, bizarre what happened at that airport um, coming back from Calgary. But So, Keith, yeah. I was an assistant coach for one year in the NHL. You had a, quite the coaching career also. And listen, I'm not assistant coaching material. I'm just not, you know. I, I have a very hard time changing diapers and warming bottles up, okay? But <laughs> I, I, I know I could have made a very good head coach if I stuck it out and I didn't exit the coaching game when I did. And I went down the East Coast League as a head coach. I got coach of the year my first year. I worked my butt off. I loved it. I loved being a head coach. Yeah. I had a hard time in the assistant coach thing, and uh, I'm not afraid to say that. I just wasn't cut out for it. You certainly uh, had a great career as an assistant coach, and you certainly have the personality, the demeanor. You're upfront. You're personal with people. You're a good communicator. Did you ever – think like, geez, maybe I want to go the head head coaching route one day, or did you just say, listen, I'm an assistant coach. It's all I want to do. Uh, yeah, I, I think that there was times when I had aspirations to maybe, uh, and when I look back, there was some opportunities, but I, um, I really enjoyed being an assistant uh, in the NHL. Uh, I look back – when I was with the Maple Leafs, uh, Pat Quinn hired me in 2000. And Pat, what a fine. great man, huh? Great <laughs> man, as fine a man, fine a man as you would ever. Uh, uh, 
you would no meet. bullshit. No bullshit. There it is. Meet not only in life, in hockey, but in life is the greatest. And he hired me in 2000. And it was like 2004, I think, uh, our minor league team with the Marlies had a vacancy. And I was asked if I would uh, consider going and coaching the Marlies. And, but I couldn't because I couldn't, I couldn't leave Pat. Yeah. because he was you know so good to me and and that was one opportunity that maybe uh if i wanted to be a head coach you could have uh, maybe could have went and done that you know but uh certainly i've you know been around a lot of great players and other coaches and uh it, the, the game has changed a lot like when you and i came in the league if the coach asked you what uh, two plus two was you didn't say four you just said whatever you want it to be coach yeah. <laughs> and, and the times have changed and now you have to adjust and adapt to the times and now as an assistant coach you have to sell it you have to the players they want to know why are we doing it this way of uh, and you, I fucking told you yeah, to just asking, fucking know it they're asking you what two plus two is so it's it's just fucking do it it's changed a lot, right? So, uh, uh, and now the game has changed even more. Some things in the game haven't changed, like Claude Ruel used to say, "The game no change. The game no yeah. change." And just some, a player do. Just some, a player. Some things uh, haven't changed, but a lot of things have. And now there's, you know, so much video. Like assistant coaches now, they they spend in ten, twelve hours. Uh-huh. At the crazy, uh, it's crazy, and yeah, it's too much. Don't you think it's overdone in um, a lot of ways? Like, it, it, it's yeah. sitting in front of a computer all day long. I remember Pat Quinn said, he said, if uh, if I got to be here at seven in the morning, and I got to stay here till six at night, as a coach in the NHL, I clearly don't know what I'm doing. Is what he'd yeah. say, and yeah. uh, but now now they've there's analytics in the game and it's so what do you think of the analytics by the way in today's game well i've been out of it now since uh 2015 16 and analytics was just kind of coming in coming in yeah and they're all trying to sell their ability to help you win with analytics um i wasn't i wasn't a fan of it uh and I'll tell you why. I mean, it maybe has its place with your management team with regards to over a, an extended period of time with a player. Maybe you can factor in the analytics, but not on a night-to-night basis. I, I don't. I didn't need some guy coming down uh, into the coach's office that never had a pair of skates on in his life and telling me that this is this guy should be taking this face off on the strong side. I mean, come on. Um, and, and the other part of it is, is, you know, the analytics is now, uh, uh, a coach probably feels pressure that he's got to go with the analytics because if he doesn't and he doesn't win, now he's going to be, uh, I told you, I told you go with the analytics, but the, the other part of it is, is, and you know, this, you both know this as well. Uh, there's the human side of. Uh, evaluation during a game and that's what separates some coaches from others and we've all had coaches or I've had coaches that uh, 
nothing, nothing bothered me more than if I know I have it tonight and my coach can't figure it out. Yeah. And the other side of that is uh, even worse is if I don't have it tonight and can't figure it out. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and that's, and that's uh, probably one of the strongest attributes of Glenn Sather as a coach was he knew 10 minutes into the game who had it tonight and who didn't have it. And that factored in to wins and you don't get that with analytics. Yeah. That that's, that's gone with analytics, in my opinion. Yeah. You like the iPads on the bench? You like, no, Chris hates them. Chris, like, can't sleep. If you... <laughs> I'm not a tech guy, I got to tell you about it. <laughs> you know how long it took me to set up this pan for this. That's Bye. right. Wait, wait. This is we will schedule for last week to tape this podcast. But yeah, when we you said this is your first podcast, we got it. We understood that. We... You know, I've never used a cam on my computer. Before. <laughs> oh, the, oh um, you know, it's funny when you look at the game today, and it, the game don't change. It has like I think they've tinkered with it a little too much. Um, uh, you know the, the iPad thing. I listen. Finish your shift. You know you fucked up out there. If you need some some uh, coaching, go in between periods and ask the coach. Let me look at that play. Can you we go over it because I think I did this and there. But when guys are there looking on the back, I I fucking hate that. I just think it. You know, and I think honestly, let, let's face it. We all like to see ourselves coming in deep and make a move. You see a. Right? Don't don't tell me. You're seeing yourself on tape. You know, you go down, you score a nice goal. It's nice to see on tape. We all have those egos, right? Oh yeah. And I think some guys they just want to see themselves again. Like, <laughs> like fuck you. Wait till after the game you want to see yourself. You know, shit. We had to to see ourselves back in the day. We had to wait the next fucking day. You know, right? Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, there's some funny, funny shit. When you look at the game today, you know, and, and we talk about this. I like to ask guys about this, the red line. And, you know, they, they talk about concussions and head shots. And, you know, I saw last week Trent Frederick took a two-hander off the head from um, a defenseman in New York, uh, Truba, Truba. Truba. Okay, yeah. he two-handed him across the head. Got a $5,000 fine. And then... The other night in Philly, Konechny, he cross-checked Brennan Smith jersey, got him between the elbow pad and the shoulder pad, and it hurt. He come down and chopped him in the arm. He got a two-game suspension. He chopped the kid in the arm. The other guy swung a stick and swung it and two-handed him off the head. I, I, I don't get that. One, um, when you talk about... Uh, you know, they're worried about headshots and the health of the players and everything. And it's such a fast game. Yeah. And I I look at it nights without the red line there, where guys go up, they step out, make the long pass, chip it. And, uh, if these guys are so fucking good with the puck, and they are, I'd like to see them be able to pass their way up the ice, like pass their way up the ice, come up together as a – you know, a team come up the ice together and you don't see that as much anymore. No. And, and, and I know the league is scared of the trap and the team's still trapped today. I mean, it'll be more, it'll be a little bit more dramatic if the red line's back in 
it's easier to do. But yeah. teams still do it today. Do you think that would benefit the game anyway? Um, yeah, I I agree. I mean, I think that uh, the game is not for me isn't is entertaining because coaching has taken all the risk out of the game. D to D, fire it up, chip it in. Um, so now the game has turned into uh, whoever can forecheck the best and whoever can get the puck out of their own end on the first attempt has, has probably got a, a real good chance of winning the game. And like you said, now to build an attack where it's five going through five, you don't see that attempt anymore. And when you had to build an attack, that's when the puck would turn over and the game would open up and there would be more chances and more entertainment. But now it's gone to take all the risk out. We're, we're going to have no risk in our game. And, and then so you better be a good forechecking team because all I'm going to do is orchestrate it to get it behind their defense and no turnover. And then I'm going to go forecheck. And if you're a team that can't break four checks, you're going to spend the night in your own end. Yeah. And if you're a team that can four check, then you're going to have a lot of offensive zone time. Yeah, and it's, it's like now those D know what's coming. Yeah. So it does take a lot of opportunities to four check away because they can cheat off the line so, so yeah. easily. Yeah. And if you're coming up the ice now, you got that two-line pass for sure. You got D more hold in their line. And and you have an opportunity to go in now and, and get there when the D's getting there with the puck instead of being able to cheat off the line uh, like they do now. It's so easy. I don't know. But um, I'd like to see that one day, the fighting in the game. Uh, you know, what, what, what do you like about today's game? What do you really dislike about it? I like watching three-on-three three overtime. Because <laughs> you'd be out there, you bastard, right? Uh, <laughs> flying around. Yeah, I, I mean, I when I first uh, was finished with coaching, I had a hard time to watch hockey because I was always watching it as a coach. And... So, analyzing so, yeah i'm watching how what's their forecheck what's their up ice pressure on the penalty kill what's uh, their power play breakout what's uh you know and i i didn't i couldn't enjoy it because that's i was just analyzing and it's like i had to take notes and in time uh i've got so i enjoy watching it and i'm i'm like any other fan i want to be entertained i i want to see you know, the game open up a little bit. It's, uh, I want to be entertained with the skill. I want to, I want to see a good body check. I want to see, and again, if, if two are going to end up fighting, at it. fighting for a reason, not for yeah. staged or no reason, yeah. but for a reason that happens, then, uh, these are things that are, uh, fans like, right? Yeah. You and think I, you would, would you have liked today's game to play in it? You think you play in no, today's game? No, no, I I couldn't have played in today's game, and I've, why do you say that? Yeah, why do you say that? It's, uh, because it's uh, uh, there's 
Now it's you, you as an offensive player, say you have the freedom to try to beat somebody one-on-one uh, down below the tops of the circles in the other end. You don't have the freedom to do that. And the game, and the game back when I played, it was more end-to-end. Now it's it's like I said, there's no risk in the game. It's so structured. It's uh, uh, you either play in your own end or you play in their end below the tops of the circles and uh, the game doesn't open up. It's not, if you go to Europe right now and watch some games, my son was playing in Germany. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I was going to ask you about Will. Yeah, it's, uh. it was because coaching hasn't taken all the risk out of the game and there's, you know, there's turnovers and the game opens up and it goes end to end. And for the players, it's, uh, it's fun to play. And um, the NHL now is very, very structured. It's very, uh, yeah. it's very programmed now. Well, just like we talk about the coaches, I mean, there's fucking ten guys behind the bench now. There's almost a guy <laughs> yeah, for is. every guy. <laughs> yeah. There's a guy for every two guys. Christ, yeah. need yeah. your diaper change? No. Um, it just, yeah, it gets a little much. I don't know. Eight, eight of them never played hockey. <laughs> eight out of the ten coaches. Yeah, it's crazy. Oh. Uh, so you're you're now in the business world. You ran for mayor of Stovall, didn't you, back in 2018? I'm uh, a I'm a counselor in town now. Okay. Yeah. Did you run for mayor at one point? Or, or? the term before I did, and uh, and then this last time I ran as uh, to be a counselor. So I'm a counselor in one of the wards in in town here. Well, that's cool. Uh, White Church, Stovall, Ontario. Um, how far is that from Peterborough? Uh, it's about an hour. Yeah, not bad. I was up there recently, up that way, yeah. um, playing with the alumni. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, it was pretty cool. So, the Boston Pizza, how's that going? And, and getting up every day, going in there and, and, and working it. Um, do you like the business life? I mean, it's not hockey, but... Yeah, how much pizza you eat a week? <laughs> uh, you know what? It's uh, it's a hard business. You know what? We talk about uh, winning a Stanley Cup is really competitive uh, with 32 teams, but this is even more competitive. There's a pizza place on every corner, right? Yeah. Hospitality business is very, very competitive. Um, and uh, being a business owner, it's uh, – Business and sports has lots of uh, parallels that you can draw between them. Uh, this, uh, you know, you're still, you're trying to put a team together. We probably have 40 to 45 employees, a sprinkle of them. It's their career. Um, but you're trying to get a group of people to work together uh, to accomplish a common goal. And you're trying to corner the marketplace, be the trendsetter and win. And so how do you do that? I mean, it's again with, you know, commitment, dedication, uh, you got to do have proper teaching. It doesn't take maybe a lot of natural talent, but, um, you got to have people that can teach and motivate and discipline, I suppose, if need be on certain occasions. And, and it's, it's like sports. It's, uh, uh, it's, it's, 
it's a lot of fun when you're winning and it really yeah. sucks when you're losing. Yeah. So it's, uh, and as a business owner, now you've got your own skin in the game. It's, uh, there's lots yeah, more yeah. to do it, right? Yeah. So the coaching that translated really well for, to do what you're doing today. Yeah, it's helped. I mean, again, uh, like I said, we, our, our team here is, you know, you have, uh, each one of them you, you have to handle in a different way. Like you have a 65 year old guy that works in your kitchen. That's been doing it his whole life. Doesn't need a lot of teaching, I suppose. Uh, he knows the job, he knows what he needs to do. Uh, but then when you have a 15 year old girl that it's her first job as a hostess, uh, that's going to take lots more of your time to, you know, uh, train, train, teach, uh, and you know, you have to be patient. Uh, that was one of the things that I had the hardest time as an assistant coach was having the patience with, uh, you know, certain individuals that you knew had lots of talent that, uh, and you knew that at one point it's going to come out. And I can give you examples of that. And, uh, like when I was with the Maple Leafs, Nazem Kadri drafted to us with the Maple Leafs and, you know, like, and Hey, he's, he's, he's carved out a great, a great career. He was instrumental in Colorado winning the Stanley cup. Um, he's become a real good hockey player, but in the beginning, I mean, he had to take an allergy pill if he walked by the gym. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, and you know, that patience, right. Is, uh, um, another one was, uh, he didn't maximize his potential. I remember when I was with the Maple Leafs, it was Kyle Wellwood, a uh, real talented, small player that had, you know, had a great mind for the game. And, and I remember uh, we, I don't know where he, he lived in London or he lived in Windsor in the summer. And we were trying to get him to come to stole or come to Toronto uh, and spend the summer training with our training people and be here the whole summer. And, so they got me to have a conversation with him to try to get him to come. And he said, well, I'm sitting with him and he goes, uh, no, I, I, I can train where I live. I'll, I'll be fine. And so then I said to him, management wanted me to try to get him to say, well, we come Monday to Friday and uh, you can go home on the weekends to Windsor, wherever it is. And so I, you know, I've uh, asked him if you might do this. And he said, no, no. He said, that doesn't work for me. And I said, well, why not? He said, well, I'd have to manage two refrigerators then, and I can't do that. <laughs> so <laughs> That's Welly, though. I played with Welly in Winnipeg. He's like a wizard on the ice. But uh, you know, Lots of talent. You know? Yeah. yeah. He's a great kid. Uh, but, yeah, no, yeah. but you're, I mean, everyone knew that about him. So my point is, is, you know, you got to be patient and same thing in the Boston pizza business with, uh, with youth, you have to be uh, patient with them to uh, wait until they mature a bit and understand it better and are ready to make the commitment. Well, I remember, I remember uh, Rick Green, he, uh, him and Gary Green went into business together right back when we were playing it. And who was the guy who used to come around, NHL guy before the season and talk, like give us a little talk about watch out for people with cocaine and uh, the Irish, Frank Torpy. Frank Torpy, yeah. yeah. So Frank Torpy used to come in the room and go, watch out, you know, you go in the bars, people want to give you cocaine. Some people go around you for money. You got to be careful. You know, sec- league security. And he said, 
And it came one year, he said, you know, when players leave the game, half end up getting divorced, which is true. Um, <laughs> so you, he's telling you all these stats and everything. And he said, and um, the restaurant business, you know, one out of uh, two, I don't know, three out of every five fail or whatever. So he's telling a story. And Rick Green is just going to go on this endeavor in the offseason where he's going to start a, a restaurant back in um, in the, the Lakes region up there in uh, Ontario. Him and Gary Green, former coach in the NHL. And Greeny's it. I remember him saying, yeah, I can't wait. Because we'd be out in the bar in Montreal, a disco or something, and he'd be like, ah, I'm going to be spinning records all summer. You know, the, the girls, he's I'm going to be dancing. We're going to be having fun. And He came back to training camp. He said, you fuck. I said, how'd it go? Oh, fuck, Knox. The fucking biggest mistake of my life ever getting into that. He said, you know. The fucking people didn't want to show up to work. I had to do the schedule. Then people leave early, go back to school. Uh, you know, what a mess. The biggest mistake of my life. And I remember how happy he was when he was going into this endeavor and positive, which you want to be. But, boy, he got a rude awakening, right? It's not a not an easy, easy fucking route whatsoever, you know. No, it's a hard business. It's a lot of competition and you're relying on people that, uh, uh, like you say, like that are dedicated and committed to their profession. Uh, I find that if we have, if I have somebody that has a primary job and they want this as a secondary job to help subsidize their livelihood, um, I find them to be, you know, that's a, they're probably good to hire because they probably have a strong commitment and dedication to, that they have a primary job and they still have it. And they, yeah. so they're probably going to have the same habits if they come and work part-time for us. So, uh, but it is, it's a, it's a, it's a hard business. So your son will playing. Um, how old's Will now? Will is 36. He's not playing anymore. Uh, he, no, he retired. He played a couple years in Edmonton, right? Got a couple yeah. parts of a couple yeah. seasons there. Yeah. And then he went over uh, to Germany. Yeah. Was it? Yeah. How, how do you like it over there? He loved it. He was there for about uh, five years. And, wow. uh, um, you know, if you're, it's uh, much better to, if when you get to his age, it's, a lot better to go and play in Europe than to be playing in the American League. You make more money. It's not as uh, yep. not as taxing on you, uh, your body and stuff. It's a, a different game, as Timmy, you would know. Yeah, Germany's um, awesome because you're yeah. allowed like you got so many imports. It's not like a two import yeah. rule. So, but he's retired now, and now he's a pro scout with the Penguins. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, it was uh, Ron Hextall hired him because. Uh, when I played in Philly, I played with Hexie and uh, Hexie's son, Brett, and Willie were the same age, just little little kids. Okay. And so Hexie knew him from the time he was a little boy. So uh, he's got his start there, and he he likes it and enjoys it. And Is he living back home now, back in Stovall? Yeah, he lives in Stovall here, and he's oh, has cool. a division. So um, he's in close proximity to most of those teams. Where was he in Germany? Was he in any of the big cities? He was in Schwinnigan and is there Nuremberg? And he yeah, was, that's a nice city. Yeah. 
And he was in one other town that I, I can't remember which one it was now. Well, you ever good. go out to Oktoberfest out there? Nuts. <laughs> <laughs> I was over a few times, but I I missed that. Nothing like Russian gas, Tim. Oh, they're both good. I'll take either. Now, Chris, uh, I see you have a shirt that says what? Brawl in the Hall? The Brawl in the Hall. Yeah, I remember you. Knuckles roast the rat. I remember you uh, brawling in the hall one night in, in Hershey. Oh, well, another another hallway fight, huh? I'm going to hear this one. <laughs> well, we just spoke about that last week with Archie Henderson. Oh, is the same one? Is this oh, the same yeah, one? with yeah. Gary Risling. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Tim, yeah. it was crazy. Like, I don't know what, what they th- thought. It was a good idea to put our locker room just before their locker room and then put me in the room before they put <laughs> yeah. that animal in the room. Right? <laughs> Gary Risling. What a – hey – Supposedly an awesome guy. Never really met him off the ice. Archie loves him. Yeah. Uh, Archie, well, what a sweetheart he is. Yeah. Archie Henderson. Oh, man. Like, you know, I remember coming in the league and looking at the, I'm mean, this guy. You know, look at the size of him, right? <laughs> he was just an anomaly back in the day. Like, he is six six, six seven on skates. Like, hello. And he'd come on here. We talked to him last week. He was, he was just a sweetheart of a guy. Yeah. Love the game, you yeah. know. Uh, been around the game a long time, but yeah. Woody, um, if I ask you, and again, you had an awesome career, a thousand games, Stanley Cup, had a wonderful career, and you you played the game, you know, with hot determination, grit. You know, you you say, oh, you know, you're small, but you you made up for that with your your being able to be tough enough to deal with what you had to deal with back in that day. And yeah, you had help. I get all that, but still when it comes down to in the end, all you got is yourself and, and you certainly made it happen. Your eulogy, what would the first line of your eulogy be? (laughs) Come on, fucker. Before I come over there. Like Frank Babe, <laughs> put your cheek down on the ice. <laughs> uh, I have no idea, Chris. <laughs> what do you mean? That's yeah, it, yeah, right no, there. No. I have no idea. That's yeah, you have no fun. idea. I have no idea, but I'll find out. <laughs> yeah. What would the first line, if you had to write your own eulogy, what would the first line be? Come on, be nice to yourself. Anyway. Uh, I don't know. I think probably, uh, uh, my father always taught me to be honest and a hard worker. There you so go. That's all. That's, uh, honest, hard working man, right? That's, uh, you know, he ingrained that in, uh, my brother and I, and I watched him, he lived it and, uh, it was to follow his example. Yeah, well, I can I can attest to that. You were hardworking and you're an honest guy. I know that. So that's and you that's passed good. it on to your son because that's yeah. I mean for him to make it, I, you know, like we always talk about Nux, it's a it's, yeah. it's a lot of hard work to get there. So it's awesome. Remember all them hotel rooms and those <laughs> things, parties we used to have. Remember? <laughs> I don't remember, Chris. <laughs> No, Keith. Awesome. Hey, listen. But it's you know what? It's a it's pleasure being on with you guys, and 
um, you know, uh, we have friendships and teammates and people in hockey, a lot of great people. And we're all, you know, very appreciative and grateful that we've had these times with one another and great memories. No, no question. Yeah. No question. I look at that one of my one of my great teammates right here and uh, a lot of good memories. And every time I love it when I see guys, I, you know, I saw you, um, you know, when we were up in, in Ontario with the thing. And it's like it's like I saw you yesterday. It's like, oh, we're back. At, you know, you you step right into it again like like that. And that's awesome. I saw Brian Scrudlin on the weekend. Yeah. You yeah. know. I see screw. It's like, we step right back into it. One of my all time favorite teammates. Yeah. And it's just like you, you, you have these relationships over the years and then you go your separate ways, but when you come back together, it's like you never left. So yeah. awesome so true. for taking, for taking the time, Keith. I appreciate it. Always um, great teammate, great competitor and a uh, great, great person, coach so. too. Yeah. yeah. I love you. Assistant coach. Assistant coach. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Raw Knuckles podcast. Don't forget to like, follow, and subscribe.